0: You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. And we are live. It's Chad Jensen. It is Zach Kelberman. The Huddle Up Podcast coming to you live simulcasting on YouTube and Facebook on the heels of arguably the most epic regular season collapse in NFL history. I'll get to what I mean by that here in just a minute. That's not just hyperbole. Zach, your gut reaction, dude. The Broncos, like I wrote on Twitter,
1: the Broncos had no business losing that game. The Broncos had no business blowing that lead. I mean, that's what happens when you play not to lose. That's what happens when you take your foot off their throats. That's what happens when you uh, when you get too cute. Pick your cliche. The Broncos doing themselves today. That was the best first half of Broncos football I have seen, I believe, since I started covering the team, but that was probably the worst second half of football. I have seen an inexplicable loss, and it all comes down to coaching, Chad. The Vikings adjusted in the second half, and the Broncos never countered. It's as simple as that.
0: Unbelievable. I mean, it boggles the mind. Let me let me read to you guys this tweet that came courtesy of Darren McKee of 104.3 The Fan. This puts it in perspective, you guys. Teams, NFL teams, when trailing after the first half by 20 or more, Are 0 and 99 in the past five seasons. 0 and 99. You can't make this stuff up. That's from Darren McKee. The Denver Broncos just broke that trend. They went into the second half with a 20 to nothing lead. And frankly, they were making that report by Jason Lacanfora that was, you know, an indictment on Vic Fangio. The Broncos' first half performance really called into question the veracity of that report. We'll get more into that here later in the show. But the second half, Zach, only serves to bolster this these rumblings that are coming from Lock and Fora. Yeah, it seemed like, I don't know
1: if the Broncos are irritated by Fangio. I know we'll get into that, but I don't really, I don't put too much credence considering the source of that report in Lock and Fora. He hasn't really had a perfect track record, but you can see that His culture, Fangio, hasn't taken shape right away. You can tell that players, not all of them, including Von Miller, not all have responded to Fangio's coaching, his style. He has that very gruff personality. And like we talked about, he wants to be a Belichick, and so many coaches fail because there's only one Belichick. You can't come in there and expect to lay down the law having no previous coaching experience, having no resume for – you two have some respect on, that you can't do it that way. So maybe there's some credence to that, but this all comes down to coaching and Fangio. He was, in the second half, badly outcoached by Mike Zimmer.
0: Welcome in, everybody, to this live episode of the Huddle Up podcast. This is, of course, our gut reaction that Zach and I bring to you after each and every Denver Broncos game. And this one, we've got a lot to to uh, sift through today, and we're going to get to it. Welcome to all our live viewers on YouTube and Facebook. We've already got some super chat donations coming in hot. We're going to get to all you guys and your great support here in just a second. I just want to remind everybody really quick before we officially dive in in earnest here. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter right there. That's how you do it, at Huddle Up Pod. That is the best way to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with this show in real time. And don't forget as well to... Go over to Apple Podcasts. I'm going to put the link here in the comment stream and leave a creative review on the podcast when you get some time. What that does is it's a great way to organically help support the show, help the show grow and reach new listeners. And also, it enters you into our giveaway that we do each and every month, Zach and I draw a couple of random names from our Apple podcast reviews and give away some merch. And as you can see here, we'll talk more about this later in the show, but as you can see here in the shirt that Zach is wearing now, we have some official Huddle Up podcast merch yep. in our possession. We've got it, Football Priests. There's some some Huddle Up podcast on the back. We'll get to all that here in just a minute. But when you leave a review on the Huddle Up podcast on Apple podcast, that enters you into our, our drawing each and every month. So take care of that business. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Next Sunday, the Denver Broncos will travel to take on the Buffalo Bills, and you can be there. Make sure you have your seat for the game with Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats, you guys, it is the top source for tickets for the events that you want to go to. You can sort by price. You can look for seats in the section and row of your choice all in the Vivid Seats app. It is seamless. It is easy. It is intuitive. And to make things even better, Vivid Seats now has a loyalty program, you guys, which allows fans to earn credit back. It's called the Vivid Seats Rewards. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Because once you download, fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program. You just gotta purchase your tickets. And every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater shows and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and join the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program today. And when it's time to buy, make sure new users, you enter the promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. All right, Zach, let's let's dial this back to before the game. And let's talk about the Lock and Fora report, okay? Yeah. First and foremost, for those of you who missed that, Jason Lock and Fora of CBS Sports According to what he says are multiple sources, Vic Fangio is struggling to connect with players and coaches in year one based on the Lock and Forward report. Now, Zach, I questioned the timing of that report. I questioned, you know, I don't, I don't want to completely throw him under the bus because he does what he does. As you said, he doesn't have a perfect uh, track record in terms of breaking things like this. But let me give you a couple of quick snippets from his report. Quote, Lines of communication have been strained, and Fangio has been quick to dispute play calls and come across as overbearing on the headsets, sources said, which has created issues in-game and otherwise. Here's a quote from one of his sources with knowledge of the situation. Quote, there is a negative reaction to almost every offensive play call. Close quote. Zach. It's meant to make Fangio sound like he's completely out of touch with his team, that yeah. his message is not hitting home. The 3-7 and seven record now certainly doesn't do anything to refute the Lock and Fora report. How much veracity do you put into this uh, report from Lock and Fora?
1: I could see, like I said, I could see some of it playing out just by Von Miller alone and the way he's responded this season to Fangio. And he's always a Fangio. He's really dedicated to the defense, obviously. But since he came into the Broncos – he almost pitted the offense and the defense against each other. It's almost been two different teams in this locker room. And that's where I can see maybe there being some truth to what Lock and Forrest said about him challenging play calls, him not getting on the same level as Scangarello, him mm-hmm. might thinking he can usurp Scangarello's power. Um, you know, but. Then I also counter and say, would we have said this is true if the Broncos would have won that game? Were any of us thinking this was true when they were up 20-nothing in halftime? It right. was just refuting that report to me. So yeah. it's interesting timing, like you say, coming off a win against Cleveland before the bye. But now, I mean, it's only gonna, you know, give more credence to a report that might not have much to begin with.
0: Yeah, certainly it's certainly going to linger a little while and it's gonna give those of us in media. Plenty of time in this coming upcoming week to really analyze it and dig maybe and make some phone calls ourselves and see what we can come up with here. Yeah. Solomon coming in with a $25 donation on Thank Super you, Chat. Solomon. Appreciate you, bro, for what you do, supporting the show in a big way. And by the way, Zach and I, with our the merchandise that we have put together, we're going to continue to bring new designs, some hats, mm-hmm. some hoodies, some other forms of, of swag, if you will. We're going to put that together here very soon, and our Super Chat's what we're going to do is we are already compiling a list. We have it on record uh, of our Super Chat donators, and we're going to be in contact with you guys here very soon so that we can get you out some merch for the unprecedented amount of support you have shown the show. And that goes to anyone who deigns to support us financially with through Super Chat. If you do so, you will be, uh, we're going we're gonna to return that love to you guys with some merch. Yes. Chris Hernandez coming in with the $21 Thank donation on Super Chat. He says, what a heartbreaker. Covered the spread, though, and that's true. He, the Broncos were 10.5-point dogs in that game, and they absolutely covered the spread. Stuart McPeak with a $25 donation. You, so consistent. We love you, Stu. Yes. Um, we'll get through these. The Man, the stream right now is so hot and heavy, it's hard for me to find everybody. Jay from across the pond with some hard-earned British pounds chipping in. <laughs> hey, guys. JT from Twitter. I'm tired of, our, of Rich Gangarello going away from what works. Not running Phillip Lindsay outside and using Noah Fant as a blocker is not working. The jet sweep to 87 oh, must be tore kill up. Kill that
1: play already. Just rip that page out of the playbook. How many times can you do that with no results? They just and, and late in the game on that third and one, that was all Scangarello. I gave him a lot of credit earlier in the game. They came out throwing deep. They came out creative. They had that Sutton pass to Patrick but they got way too cute. And yeah, Sangarello has never just leaned on his bread and butter. I've been saying it all season. He's been giving inside runs to Lindsay and outside runs to Royce Freeman. It should be the opposite. So yeah, I absolutely agree with that criticism.
0: And every time, not only the jet sweep thing, all right, we talked about that on the open thread at mile during the game, we lamented those jet sweeps to fan, both of which were stuffed for losses today, which is no surprise. Every time they've tried that this year, that's been the result. But then also Zach, both times in which they asked Noah Fant to single up on the outside and block Danielle Hunter or Everson Griffin. Hmm. He was exploited. It led to a sack or a big hit on on Brandon Allen, and we'll talk more about Brandon Allen here in just a little bit. But at a certain point, I understand there are times in a game from a strategic standpoint, from play calls, different looks, formations, you're going to have to ask your tight ends to hold up. But you just have to, at this stage, anticipate that Noah Fant you know, whatever the play call might be, if you're going to allow him or ask him to be singled up on a one-on-one block against one of the best edge rushers in the NFL, you just got to, if you're Brandon Allen or whatever quarterback is behind center, you got to know that ball's got to come out quickly. And Broncos fan, uh, Phantom 24 with a $15 donation, Zach, he brings Thank up you. something that I think is on everybody's minds right now. He says it is officially Drew Lock time. Allen completed less than 50% of his passes. Before we get to the lock question, What's your overall take on Brandon Allen here in his second game?
1: I think at the minimum, he's not a franchise quarterback, but I think the Broncos found their their long-term quarterback of the future. Their long-term developmental backup. I mean, he played pretty well today. And one thing I was impressed from Brandon Allen is his pocket composure. Other than his mobility, I'm talking about his composure in the pocket. He was getting pressured in the second half especially a lot. And He stood in there tall, making some tough throws, even on the last drive, some gutsy throws to keep moving the chains. So he is not the Broncos' biggest problem, Brandon Allen. I still definitely want to see Drew Locke. It should be Drew Locke time. But going from Flacco to Allen, chat has just been a massive upgrade. And you can just see what this offense can be, what this, this potential can be with a capable, competent quarterback under center. And that's part of the reason why I'm so excited to see Locke's big arm out there hooking up with uh, Cortland Sutton and
0: company. Dropped your pocket, comes in with a $10 donation on Super he says The bright side is we have the seventh pick currently in the draft to hopefully find <laughs> the replacement for Hopefully. Garrett Bowles. And once again, Bowles, the struggles, you know, reared its ugly head. Yep. He had a pre-snap call penalty in which he jumped late in the game in the clutch that set that offense back. And then also earlier in the game, he, on a on a second down play in which Phillip Lindsey moved the chains, picked up the first down. It was in the second half. He was called for holding, and the opposite side was called for a defensive hold, which may, forced it to be a – Redo the second down. So instead of moving the chains, it cost Garrett Bowles his penalty. It cost the Broncos that opportunity. And it still ended up a play or two later converting that into another set of downs. But it's just another example how of how, Zach, at any given moment, Garrett Bowles is a liability and is a risk to blow up a drive, get your quarterback killed, whatever it might be. All the while, the credibility crisis. This is one thing about that report from Lancan Fora. He didn't talk a lot about he didn't even mention this really. But it does speak to that a little bit in that there is a credibility crisis when you continue to roll out Garrett Bowles as a starting player on this team when he is so evidently incompetent.
1: And that's something that we were saying even last year, Chad. We've been saying it since Bowles was drafted pretty much. He's literally hurting the Broncos offense by being on the field. Just by him being out there hurts the Broncos offense. And so if that's the reason why Lock and Four made that report, if it's not just Manuel Sanders walking out because that's something he cited too, and I wouldn't be surprised if Sanders was his source, I can absolutely see that because you have to have responsibility. You have to bench the players that are hurting your team, just as they did with Flacco, just as they sent Emmanuel Sanders packing, but they have this, the tendency to just stick with Garrett Bowles through thick and thin, good and bad, and there's no good. It's all bad, 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 bad. He was getting worked and worked and worked in the first half. It was only a matter of time before Garrett Bowles did a Garrett Bowles, and he's going to do that every single week. He hasn't gotten better with Munchak. You can argue that he's gotten worse with Munchak. Um, yeah, if that's the reason, that's one of the, the credibility problems in Dove Valley right now, I absolutely see that.
0: Chris comes in with a $10 donation on Super Chat. You are the man, Thank Chris. Appreciate you, Chris. you. He says, guys, do you think it's Drew Locke time? Allen is not the guy. And we're going to talk about Drew Locke. Let me just run you through quickly Brandon Allen's stat line on the day. 17 of 39, and remember, three of those incompletions came on the final three plays of the game. 240 yards, a touchdown, a pick, and then he also picked up 18 yards with his legs, did Brandon Allen. He had a quarterback rating, though, of 61.9. He, there were some times, Zach, in which Brandon Allen was clearly inaccurate. There were some times that that cost the Broncos. But at the same time, Zach, what I'll say about Brandon Allen is, man, those bootlegs, even though the Vikings were sniffing it out pretty good today, because I mean, after all, they are practicing against the Gary Kubiak offense ever since this past spring. They know what that looks like, they can sniff it out pretty easy. But man, just, I mean, we're not talking about Kyler Murray here. But Brandon Allen can sure that that speed, that mobility, so significantly uh, improved and better than what Flacco brought to the table that it has really loosened things up and opened things up for this offense. I like that he's taking shots, that 48-yard completion to Cortland Sutton in which Sutton made that that big-time grab in traffic in the first quarter. I mean, he that 31-yard pass to Fant, he had a couple of nice balls to Fant. Allen played well, but this is a guy I got to remind everybody. This is a guy – that he's he's basically auditioning for long-term backup. Nothing I saw today, even if the Broncos had won this game, nothing I saw, like let's say this last possession, that final play to Noah Fant that fell incomplete, end of game, that would have been completed and the Broncos won. I still, from a quarterback performance perspective, as encouraging as it was to see Allen go toe-to-toe and, and throw down the way he did today, you got to tip your cap to him. At the same time, it was not enough, Zach, to, to pump the brakes or stop the natural course of getting Drew Locke out onto the field. It has to happen. And I think all this did, Zach, was you circle now week 13 as a probability point for Locke's debut as opposed to week 16.
1: Yeah, I, we talked about that on, on the pod before the game. The only way that that Allen was going to keep his job for longer than a couple weeks was to keep winning, and if he would have done that today, he would have kept the job. The one thing I like about his mobility, what was a gain of five for him would have been a loss of ten for Joe Flacco. So his legs, absolutely, having a young guy under center. Allen wasn't perfect today. He didn't do anything to help the Broncos win. He, didn't, he wasn't the catalyst to a Broncos victory. You could have had a better performance, but you have to think of something also. This is second regular season start of his career. You're playing at Minnesota against a really, really good defense. I think overall, relatively speaking, he did pretty well. This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
2: While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME.
3: Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on everything. One of them keep up with all the transfers in college basketball and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Christy, single-handedly, Thank you. almost Thank keeping you, the huddle up podcast going, the lights on. Christy, with the fifty dollar donation on Super Chat, you have got some merch coming to you. Absolutely, yes. we've already mentioned that, but we'll be in contact with you here shortly. Christy, she says we saw two different teams within the Broncos today. Tough to watch. Thanks for the takes, guys. And that's true. In the first half, you saw a team playing with house money. Loose. Yes. You know, they obviously exactly. came out with intensity that was way up here. The Vikings struggled to, to match that intensity at every critical point where, you know, the, the football fates could have gone one way or another. It favored the Broncos in almost every instance yeah. in that first half. Things were just going the, the Denver Broncos way. But then, you know, what, whatever you want to call it, momentum, you know, the law of averages, reality struck – and she's right, you know the Broncos look like a completely different team in the second half, especially Zach on the defensive side of the ball. We saw on offense, the calls become a little bit more conservative, which is fine. I'm not even criticizing Skangarella much for that because you know that's what you do in the NFL. When you get out to a, a three score lead entering this the second half, you're not necessarily trying to bomb it deep on every pass. you know you're you're playing within the offense, you're trying to kill time off the clock. It was the defense that ultimately betrayed this team in the second half, Zach.
1: In the first half, and I can't think of the last time I said this, Chad, the Broncos wanted it a lot more than the Vikings. They just did. They play with more passion. They play with more more intensity. And uh, I thought we were seeing a new-age Broncos team coming to fruition. It just fell apart in the second half for whatever reason. Like I mentioned, the Vikings really adjusted, and, and the, the Broncos never really countered to that adjustment. They took their – their foot off the Vikings' throats, they played conservative, they played not to lose, all of those things are the earmark of a young team with inexperienced coaching. It doesn't make it right, but that's what happens when you have a really good coaching staff going up against a coaching staff that's doesn't really have much to go on this season.
0: I mean, the thing is, though, is Vic Fangio, from a play-calling perspective, you know, he's, he's not inexperienced. That's what's so bizarre about this. He's been calling plays in the NFL for 30 years. You know, the, basically every stop he's been in, with the exception of a really brief stint in Baltimore for the last 25 years, he's been a defensive coordinator. He's been calling plays and to see his team. I don't, I don't even know so much without watching the all 22 coaches film, uh, which doesn't come out till Tuesday. I can't say whether it was scheme for sure or execution, but Zach, I have to, I have to say at this stage, it was simply an execution issue where you could see the Broncos defense, man. They just, I think they got a little too comfortable. I think they got a little too complacent mm-hmm. in thinking, you know, we got twenty a 20-point 20 lead here, and the Vikings, man, they were embarrassed. That first half embarrassed them. They came out with alacrity in the second half. They scored on a touchdown on every single second-half possession. And, Zach, again, you see Chris Harris Jr. play well for the first 90% of the game, and only to when it matters apart. most late comes undone. Yeah.
1: And he was toasted there too. I saw Stephon Diggs throw up the Randy Moss on open arm and that was it for him. And that you wouldn't have seen that two years ago from Chris Harris Jr. So we can talk about him playing good this year. He's still a great cornerback, but he's definitely not the number one corner, and he's definitely not, I think, worthy of number one cornerback money based off his play.
0: Broncos fan. Twenty four, he's got a he's hitting here on a one of the more encouraging storylines coming out of this. It says five dollar donation on super chat. You're the Thank man. You. Appreciate you, bro. Last question. LOL, did Tim Patrick's emergence change the Broncos draft outlook at wide receiver? Zach, your answer for him. Well, I never thought wide
1: receiver was that big of a pressing issue. Obviously, you have to replace Sanders. Obviously, Deshaun Hamilton hasn't really emerged, but you have way bigger fish to fry on offense. You have quarterback, left tackle, guard. You have some positions you have to address before wide receiver. But we talked about it on the pods before the game. Tim Patrick always just fit into the offense well. He always just seamlessly just played his brand of football, and he made Deshaun Hamilton today look like a, a complete project. He made him look like a non-factor. He came in and just built immediate chemistry with Brandon Allen. He's just a good player, Tim Patrick. Not a wide receiver one, maybe not a starting receiver, but just a good backup guy to have on the roster. So I just think it'll help him going forward. I never thought you'd have to use a first-round pick on a receiver anyway. So in the, in the grand scheme, it doesn't really change the –
0: I mean, I think it remains the same. Some of our draft guys have spitballed how important wide receiver might be for the Broncos in the 2020 draft. There was an article, in fact, I think Nick Kendall published over the weekend touching on that, that it has to be up there as a consideration for the Broncos early. But I still think Zach and I are on the same page in that it's offensive tackle and it's cornerback. Uh, It's offensive line and it's cornerback that are probably the two biggest priorities for the Broncos in next year's draft. And Tim Patrick, man, he made plays today. That that Cortland Sutton 38-yard jet sweep where he fakes the sweep, stops, throws deep, hits. That, that uh, reception by Tim Patrick, that was a clutch play. And again, it speaks to the, I mean, not to take anything away from Sutton and Patrick on that play, but it speaks to how everything in the first half, man, it was just Falling in line for the Denver Broncos. Yeah. Um, true. Setting them up, knocking them down. The Dominoes fell in their favor, and it was the exact opposite in the second half. But, yeah, you got to tip your cap to Tim Patrick, who you can see why the Broncos were so intent on getting him off injured reserve as soon as possible. Now, Bradley coming in with a $25 donation. Thank you, Bradley. Appreciate <laughs> you. Appreciate you. He says, thanks, guys, for your clarity and wisdom. You all deliver almost daily, helping your fellow Broncos fans survive these losing seasons. Great to see our potential via the first half. Looking forward to progress in the near future. And I think at this stage, you know, there's a couple comments here, and and we'll start getting to what everyone else has on their minds here in the comment stream, but it's coming in so hot and heavy that it's hard to keep up with it. I did see one, and I'm sorry, I can't remember who it was that said it really early on in the stream, in the comment. Um, He said that, you know, I want to see Drew Locke on the field because even if we're going to continue to lose, I want these, these losses to matter. And I think that's really where the Broncos are at now. Like that was their seventh loss. I don't see any reason why I understand you're going to go on the road next week to Buffalo. So maybe you wait. Uh, But I think at this stage, Drew Locke's got a full week of practice now under his belt. I think next week, you know, it's going to be practice week. Number two, the end of that week, you activate him to the 53, like you did Tim Patrick uh, over the weekend and you get him on the sideline, at least for that game as the backup in case something happens with Allen And then you circle week 13, Zach, for the – and it's a home game. The Chargers coming to Denver for the Denver Broncos to debut. Drew Locke as the starting quarterback. And then you just never look back. You simply don't look back. You get the full faith and support of the organization. The team closes ranks around this kid. And now we got a reason – fans especially have a reason now to tune in and watch because obviously – I mean – that first half collapse or second half collapse after such a great first half. There's just nothing left to believe in besides getting locked on the field.
1: I was going to say, as tough as this loss is, and it sucks, and it's, it's, it's inexplicable, it might be a blessing in disguise for Denver because if they would have won this game with Brandon Allen, he would have kept the starting job, and all it would have done was push the lock experiment back a few more weeks. Now that they lost, the playoffs are out of the picture. They lost in particularly brutal fashion. They have nothing, literally nothing left to lose, and no reason not to play lock now considering he's healthy, back on the roster. I agree with you. Now it moves up the timetable. They don't have to wait. They don't have to face that decision of do we take the hot quarterback out for a cold quarterback? Now they're they they can go whenever they want. So this might be a good thing in a week from now, we'll look back on it.
0: This is true from our friend. Uh, you've changed your name on YouTube. I recognize you with a different name, Israel. We'll just say Israel. Linebacker Alexander Johnson is a monster. He is a bright spot, and he was man. I mean, with the exception of that touchdown scram uh, run by Cook in the second half, and that one screenplay, the Broncos shut down Dalvin Cook. And if you look at his stat line as a rusher, Zach. 11 rushes, 26 yards. That one touchdown was only a three-yard scamper. But the killer was in the second half, he had that screen that went for 20-plus. He ended up with 31 yards uh, through the air. So total, he had 57 57 yards from scrimmage, did Dalvin Cook. And I think Alexander Johnson, the play of Johnson, the play of Mike Purcell, Derek Wolfe, No sacks today, but Derek Wolf was a monster to in the in the run game. Shelby and Harris, Shelby, Shelby Harris yes. three sacks today. Zach, there were monster. some bright spots, but that secondary was exposed badly in the second half.
1: Yeah, in terms of the front seven, I would say they own Minnesota's offensive line for much of the game. Maybe it came unglued in the second half, but Alexander Johnson has been a revelation. He was the number one graded linebacker in the entire NFL. He just really came out of nowhere, and it's nice to see a Broncos inside linebacker. I'll say it again every week. It's nice to see a Broncos inside linebacker fly around the ball, hover around the ball, not just in run support, but also in pass coverage. He has been incredible, and he is the reason why, when they are on, the Broncos defense is good. Mike Purcell, like you mentioned, Shelby Harris, is just he can do it all. He's a baller. The Broncos need to pay that guy and lock him up. But it came down to in the secondary. They didn't make enough plays in the second half, and the offense didn't make enough plays. But I'm not going to take away the play of the front seven because they were mostly incredible today.
0: Even Todd Davis, he's been an unsung hero. He's gotten a lot of undue grief and criticism from fans, but he's actually been... Very, very good this year, especially once they got a more than competent player to play next to him at linebacker. And Alexander Johnson Davis today led the team 13 combined tackles, eight of which were solo. He was all over the place. And those coverage lapses, I mean, we'll have to see what the All-22 Coaches film reveals on Tuesday. With the exception of that Kyle Rudolph 32-yard pass uh, in the fourth quarter that gave the Vikings – it was their go-ahead score – I'm not sure Davis was – I think Davis was sol- held up solid in coverage as well, and that's kind of always been the knock on Davis's coverage. But the advanced analytics up to this stage in the season, if you look at what pro football focus has to say, uh, he's, he's received – he's been one of the best um, coverage linebackers in the NFL so far through this young season. Now, Zach, let's also talk about Cortland Sutton, dude. 113 yards mm-hmm. receiving on five receptions. He was targeted nine times, plus he had the 38-yard pass to Tim Patrick, and then he also carried the ball twice for 10 yards. Your thoughts on Corlin Sutton? The guy
1: is incredible. He does it all. He's a bona fide wide receiver one, and it's been such a pleasure watching him blossom into that role, Chad. And I'll say it again. I just wonder what he can do, what he would do with a Mahomes throwing to him, with a Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he's making these plays with Case Keenum, with Joe Flacco, with Brandon Allen. The guy is just incredible. Um, he's He really introduced the term Sutton, not Moss anymore. It's Sutton now. Yeah. And it's just a great look for the Broncos to have an up-and-coming star wide receiver who's only getting better by the week. I love Sutton's game, and it's a pleasure watching him play.
0: Our friend six foot ten says it's starting to look like maybe just maybe Elway should have dealt Chris Harris Jr. at the deadline. And I don't know if I'd go quite that far, but yeah, he's just he's been he's he's been good, but not good enough this year. That's really the story with Chris Harris: is good, but not good enough when the chips are down. A true shutdown corner doesn't get – here's another thing. This just occurred to me mid-sentence. I hate it. It continues to be a thing for Harris this year. When he does get burned, like that play to Stephon Diggs, the 54-yard touchdown strike, as soon as he looks like this and sees that it's a completion over his outstretched hand, he throws up his arms like it was someone else's fault. And maybe it was. We don't know for sure in this case. Again, we don't know what the – back-end uh, safety coverage sh- umbrella shell sh- was supposed to be. But it's a bad look when every time you're getting burned in coverage, you're throwing <laughs> up your hands and looking around you like it was someone else's fault pointing the finger. Very ugly.
1: And the thing about him is, too, I'm I'm not knocking him personally, but if he makes a good play, he'll be the first one to compliment himself or praise himself. It's just his personality. I noticed that, too, Chad. As soon as he knew uh, Diggs was past him, he tried to play it off like it was someone else's fault. It's just a, a bad presence, I think, to have in the locker room, and I can see why, and you can sense the split coming between Harris and the Broncos.
0: Mr. C checks in with a $10 donation on Super Chat. Appreciate you. Only Thank three you. points off of two Minnesota turnovers inside Minnesota's red zone before the half. That came back to bite them. Absolutely. That's a great point, Zach, that, you know, those two turnovers late in the second quarter, Broncos only ended up getting three points out of it. And, of course, the last one was completely uh, nixed by the the one Brandon Allen interception. Um, so missed opportunities. Let me talk about another one here, Zach, and then we'll get to our friend um, – Jordan Johnson here in just a second. But here's what bothered me as well is that missed Brandon McManus field goal. It was a third and seven on the previous play. And you're threatening, you're on the fringe of field goal range. You're on, well, you're in field goal range. And it's like a give up play where you're going, we're going to hand it off, not to Philip Lindsay, not to Royce Freeman. We're going to give it to Devontae Booker. It's basically a give up play because we feel like we're, you know, we can settle for a field goal. But guess what, dude, especially in the clutch, Brandon McManus, you can't trust him anymore. It's been mm-hmm. a couple of years since you could trust Brandon McManus in the clutch. Once again, he betrays his team. Now, if he would have got that field goal, the Broncos don't lose this game because that would have given them an additional three points. And then on that final ensuing possession, when they were trying to get it in the end zone, three uh, different shots on the three-yard line or whatever they wherever they were, that was a field goal. That was walking off the field. You won the game. So it's just it all stacks up and adds up from execution to coaching to just questionable decisions and play in that second half.
1: I'm anyone who read our um, our roundtable predictions for the game. I wrote that the Broncos have to play a complete brand of football for 60 minutes, a perfect brand of football that included no self-inflicted mistakes, but also capitalizing on turnovers, on red zone opportunities. They settled for field goals. They didn't have great, obviously great play calling. They needed to make the most of those opportunities to pull off this upset. And the fact they didn't do that just allowed Minnesota the inch they needed to get back into this game. And if you give a playoff contender an inch, they're gonna take a mile. And that's why you (laughs) saw the letdown like you saw today.
0: That's a great way to put it. If you give a playoff contender an inch, they're gonna take a mile. Jordan Johnson with a twenty five dollar donation on Super Chat. Also One of the previous winners, you can see in his profile pic here, he's sporting the same (laughs) mile-high huddle hat I've got on. He was one of the previous winners from our Apple Podcast giveaway. I think it was the month of September. Jordan says, the best of 2019, Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, Alexander Johnson, Dalton Reisner, and this podcast (laughs) hashtag. Appreciate you, Jordan. You are the man. And it's true, though. I mean, we talked about Sutton, Fant, two games in a row now with a different quarterback pulling the trigger has been an actual factor, a playmaker. He's making an impact. Why didn't we see that in the first half now of the season? Now, we know that it takes time for a rookie tight end to kind of turn the corner, acclimate, assimilate into the NFL, speed of the game, blocking assignments. There's so much for these guys to, uh, to download, basically, and still get out on the field and not have to think so much. You could see, though, in this last quarter of the season that Fant has really, you know, he's not thinking anymore out there. He's he's just reacting. He's playing. But I think a big part of that, Zach, is you've got a quarterback willing to feed him targets. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, it's surprising that Joe Flacco, who lived and died by the tight end in Baltimore, he didn't even look a fan's way. I just want to throw two more names on that list. I want to say Mike Purcell has been a revelation, Mm -hmm. and also Kareem Jackson, who's been worth every single penny in that secondary, and Justin Simmons, for that matter, too, at safety. There hasn't been a lot of bright spots for this team, but just as you can see on the list, a lot of young talent, they have a nucleus in place, and if you just get that quarterback going and give them some time, they're going to be a good team not too long from now.
0: Terry says, so death by inches has failed us. Yeah. Well, you give that inch, they take the mile. That's what you saw today, Zach, hit the nail right on the head. You can't give them an in. You can't let them have an opportunity to get back in the game. And that's not to say that you should be expected as a defense to pitch a complete shutout against such a good team as the Minnesota Vikings, especially offensively, but You, I mean, it was laps after laps after laps, four possessions in a row in that second half. Vikings scored touchdowns, not field goals, touchdowns. About the only moral victory the Broncos can celebrate in that second half of defense, Zach, was the stuffed uh, two-point conversion, which didn't end up affecting the game at all. And, and and not
1: just its inches. I mean, they're death by miles at this point. I mean, look at the fact Kyle Rudolph, one of the game's best tight ends. He was left pretty much uncovered. He just walked into the end zone. Uh, the Garrett Bowles penalties, the the turnovers at bad times. It's just those are little inches that we thought Fangio would eliminate from the Vance Joseph era. And not only has he not eliminated them, they've gotten more prevalent. It's very concerning for this team to be so undisciplined at the absolute worst times. This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
3: Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Shout out to you, Brandon. Appreciate you. Let's uh, talk about the fact that Andy Janovich, after such a great goal line Second and third effort gets the ball across, breaks the plane, suffers that gruesome injury. Uh, the broadcast, the television broadcast, did not replay it, but you could hear him in real time when he hit the ground on that elbow, cry out in pain, and agony, and off the field he went. Zach, we have been podcasting since the final gun. Basically, I don't know what the reports are on him, but there, I can't imagine he's going to be available for this team uh, in the remaining six games or whatever it is. That was that was ugly.
1: Yeah, the fact they didn't show a replay would suggest that the injury is pretty serious. I would assume it's a broken arm of some sorts, and even though Janovich is a very tough player and he's came back from injuries sooner than anticipated, it's going to be tough uh, being a lead blocker with having one arm. It's just unfortunate. He was the catalyst for that run game. He was the catalyst on special teams.
0: It's part of the game, though. It just sucks. Injuries. Jay says I feel it's almost a fact that if Denver doesn't roll with Joe Flacco we're a plus 500 team Mm. and this is a different conversation and you might be right my friend I mean I was honestly optimistic that Flacco in an offense so similar to the one he shined in under Gary Kubiak back in 2014 that and especially playing with a a defense that's going to keep you in the game. I thought the Broncos were going to be able to, you know, win those those coin flip type of games and at least be around five hundred about this time in the season. But Flacco, I completely underestimated as an analyst how much he has regressed, how old he, that how how much father time I should say has sapped him of any kind of urgency as a quarterback aggressiveness. I mean, there was an article we published a couple weeks back right before he was uh, injured that showcased based on the next gen stats that he was the least aggressive starting quarterback in the NFL. And so, that's why it's hard to completely shellack Rich Gangarello for the questionable play calling as it appeared in so many ways in that first half of the season when clearly the trigger man was just dumping it off to running backs left and right and taking sacks and and having zero pocket presence being completely um m- you know mute to to pressure, especially edge pressure in the pocket. So, yeah, there's that's a question, Jay. It's a woulda, shoulda, coulda type situation. At this stage, all you can hope is that the Broncos learn their lesson about these reclamation projects, at quarterback, these, these stopgap Band-Aid mercenaries that are brought in to try and prop up a team. It's time to do it the hard way. It's time to do it the old-fashioned way, the tried-and-true way, which is you draft a young quarterback high and you play him. That They've done the first half of that. Now they got to play him. Um, Zach, before I serve this over to you real quick, David, $5 donation on Thank Super Chat. And I think this is kind of a, a, a good topic to end today's podcast on. We are running a little bit long. we got a lot of post-game content to get up at milehighhuddle.com. David says, play Drew Locke when I go to Arrowhead December 15th. I want to see us beat them in KC. I'm row one behind the Broncos bench, third time, going to Arrowhead, go Broncos. And that would be a fun time to play Locke, Zach, because he grew up as a Chiefs fan. Now, this isn't right. Shane Ray getting a tattoo of <laughs> the Chiefs logo, but Locke did grow up uh, in K- in Missouri and did, uh, of course, root for the Chiefs growing up. And so it would be poetic, football po- you know, poetry, if you will, if he were to get his first career start, on the road at Arrowhead. But, Zach, I don't think that's what's going to happen. I'm not saying he won't start by then. I'm saying that if his first start, it's probably going to be at home, and that's either going to be week 13 against the Chargers or week 16 against the Lions.
1: Yeah, honestly, though, if we just see uh, Locke playing in that game, if we could see a potential glimpse of the next 10 years, which is Locke versus Mahomes, I just it's very exciting for the fan base. And also, you want to see what Locke's going to do against a playoff-caliber, Super Bowl-caliber opponent like the Chiefs. Um, You talked about the last question, Chad, about... Uh, playing at rookie quarterback and just going through the process. Part of that process is taking the lumps. You're going to have good. You're going to have a lot of bad too. Any rookie quarterback, even Mahomes, had mistakes when he played his first year sparingly in that Denver game. You're going to have to go through it. They have to know though, one way or the other. They have to see Drew Locke sink or Drew Locke swim. And I'd like to see that personally too against the Chiefs. If he can keep it competitive, if he can just show some progress, that is all that matters. That would be better. Than a victory to me.
0: Navets says there, there, there might be something out there on that. If you guys want to find it, that's up to you. I'd rather not see that myself, what happened to Andy Janovich. But, yeah, last question, guys, and then we're going to bid you a good remainder of your weekend and Sunday here from Holden Adams. He says, do you think Brandon McManus will shake off his struggles or should they look at restructuring his contract? Zach, I think at this stage, you know, he's about middle of the pack in terms of, the money is making as a field goal uh, as a kicker i think at this stage you got to start looking for any and all opportunities to move on from him because he clearly peaked a long time ago as a yeah. kicker and you know he's got the big leg and he's a great locker room guy he's very well for especially as a, as a specialist he's loved by his teammates but when the chips are down and you need your kicker to come through Time and time and time again, especially this season, but really since 2016, McManus comes up short. And that's just one of those situations where, I mean, think back to the Matt Prater days, and then you can even go back that even farther to the Jason Elam days. Those were automatic guys. I mean, think of that Tebow season, guys. Anytime the game was in question, even 50-plus yarders at the end of regulation to win or overtime to walk off the field with the win, Prater was Automatic dude. He closed it down. And that's what you need from a, a field goal kicker. And it's guess what? It's not it's easier said than done finding those automatic guys. But I think at this stage it would behoove the Broncos, Zach, to start shaking the trees, kicking the bushes, you know, turning over the rocks to try and find a possible candidate to succeed Brandon McManus because I'm just getting tired of the same old story with him. But do we have confidence the Broncos are going to do that with Tom McMahon,
1: knowing that McMahon has so uh, steadfast supported Colby Wadman for, And they haven't even explored another punter After the Marquette King disaster They brought in Wadman and that was that I just have a feeling for as long as McMahon's around, they're going to keep the status quo going. And I know McManus is a, I would guess, an above-average kicker. I know kickers are hard to find in the NFL. As of right now, there's so many bad kicking performances going on, but they have to look to improve that spot. It's another area where a player is hurting the team, and Fangio has to show accountability as the head coach. If it comes to overriding, overruling uh, Tom McMahon, he has to put his foot down, same as Garrett Bowles, get the players that are contributing to losses, out of the lineup, and put better players on the field.
0: Well, I know we have many hundreds of people joining us currently live, and we hate having to jump off the horn with you guys because we have so much fun. These conversations, I mean, Zach and I look forward to these each and every oh, yeah. week, each and every day, and especially the gut reactions. There's so much to analyze. But, you know, we've been on with you a little over 40 minutes. We're going to have to cut you loose for now. But, Zach, let's remind our listeners, show them the shirt. Let's. Do you got, do you got one handy that just sitting there you could show I, uh, I'd have to get up. I can flip around, though. It's okay. Let's show the, the, the front of these shirts. the, shirt. the front. football priests. We are your football priests. each and every week. We're here to offer you the absolution and answers to your burning Broncos questions. Show them the back.
1: Simple but effective. The back yeah. looks like this.
0: The Huddle right. Up Pod logo. Huddle Podcast logo. All right? As you can see. So here's how we're going to very soon here make these available for sale for anyone who wants to buy one. But in the short term, if you want to get one of those, we're the first and foremost, it's going to go to our Super Chat donators on YouTube. Second, another way that you can get one is to go on to Apple Podcasts right now and leave a creative review. If you like what Zach and I are doing, leave us a five-star rating. That helps us out tremendously and enters you into the drawing that we're going to give away. I just messaged here the link to Apple Podcasts in the comment stream. So that's two ways that you can get your hands on one of these shirts. And then in the very, very near future, we're going to be making them available for sale along with some hats, some hoodies, some other swag that we're looking at, some really exciting things from a merchandise perspective coming down the pike. And thanks to you, Zach, for getting these things designed, getting it going. Zach was the point man on this.
1: Yeah, it's it's exciting for our, our kind of vision to come to life finally, Chad, and see these shirts materialize. But this is just the start, guys. We want to come out with all this merchandise. We love the support that you guys uh, have shown us. We want to uh, give some merchandise back to you for all the support and all the, the loyal donations. But we have a lot more stuff coming. I want to do pants. I want to do mouse pads. I want to do everything Huddle Up Pod. I want it to be a brand. So
0: Chad and I are very excited about that. And you guys... Your support clearly makes it that. I mean, we've been plugging away at this podcast now since, uh, what was it, 2016. Zach and I, we've been a partner on this podcast now for a couple of seasons, and, you know, we've been consistent, and since we've been consistent, you guys have been consistent, and it's just phenomenal the way this show has grown. So thanks to all of our Super Chat donators, and even if you haven't donated, it's all good. We appreciate you being on here with us, contributing to the conversation, listening to this show. If you happen to be listening to this podcast after the fact – Share it out, you know, download it, share it out on social media. Tell your friends, tell your family. It's a great way to help support the Huddle Up Podcast. But that's going to do it for today, you guys. Uh, Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. Again, that's just an easy way to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. You can see here how to follow my partner, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter at Kelberman NFL, myself at Chad and Jensen. Guys, This is the gut reaction. We're emotional. We're disappointed. We're, you know, it's, as Zach said, inexplicable. It's hard to try and rationalize this particular loss. We're going to be back tomorrow night, hopefully with maybe some more answers. All right. Monday night, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. We will return with another live simulcast of the podcast. So make sure you're ready. Rocking and rolling in the room on YouTube or Facebook. We'll be there live. We need you guys for that conversation. So till then, Zach, have a great uh, rest of your weekend, my brother. I'll try after that loss. (laughs) (laughs) Easier said than done, I know. And the same to all our great listeners in Broncos country. Keep your chin up. The the silver lining here is that loss just got you one step closer to seeing Drew Locke. So for Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern.